it's great to be here tonight, and um, I'm I was I know how much um, you know how much weight is on Pastor CJ's shoulders right now. So I just said, hey, you know, if I can do anything, when we do a Wednesday night for you or something, just so he didn't have to prepare a message. So thanks for letting me do this. Um, hopefully, it saved you a few minutes of prep and. And hopefully it'll speak to all of our hearts tonight. I really, um, really felt like the Lord wanted me to share this tonight. And um, I think it's very appropriate for where the church is right now. Um, yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. <laughs> so um, tonight I want to share a few words on a subject that I believe touches all of us at some point in our life. Um, and that's weariness. And, you know, Pastor CJ, God may have had me prepare this just for you. I've spent two whole days on this, and uh, this, this may just be for you. Um, well, I don't have time to address every aspect of this subject tonight. I do hope um, to highlight some areas that will be relevant to everyone here. And, again, the title of my message tonight is Winning Over Weariness. If you've come here tonight and you feel like this, right here, right there, like that donkey, then this message is for you tonight. I'll be sharing a lot of scripture uh, tonight, but my main text is found in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. We'll be going back to that verse a number of times tonight. Um, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that your presence is here with us tonight. We are just so grateful that you loved us. Lord, we thank you that you came all the way from heaven to this earth to die for our sins, and not only to die for our sins, Lord, but to give us new life and hope and relationship with our Heavenly Father. I pray for those in this room tonight who are weary, whether it be in body, in spirit, emotionally, Lord, whatever way, I pray that you would come and minister and give strength tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's look at verse 28 again. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you one more task to do. Oh, I will give you one more responsibility. Oh, you're doing really good carrying that. Here, let me put another load on the back of that. No, Jesus said, I will give you rest. Now, I want to take this word rest, R-E-S-T, to discuss four ways that we can begin to win over weariness. The first step toward winning over weariness is to rest. To rest. Yes, that is my first point. Let me preface this point by saying that God never condones laziness, okay? We're encouraged to put our hand to the plow. We're told that those who don't work, don't eat, we're encouraged to press towards the mark. So I'm not encouraging laziness tonight, but there is a difference between laziness and rest. While God denounces laziness, he commands us to rest. 
This is made clear in Exodus 20, verses 8 to 10. And this is when God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. I want you to know that God was serious about his people taking one day in seven to rest and to meditate on him. Exodus 31.15 says, Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. Now, this was under the, the Mosaic law, but God was serious about his people taking one day a week to rest their bodies and to renew their spirits. Now, thankfully, we don't live under the rigid rules and regulations of the law that was handed down to Moses because we live under a new covenant since Jesus came and he died for our sins. Okay, so, so we don't have, you know, we're not going to be put to death because we, don't, because we don't rest one day in seven. However, Jesus even said in Mark 2.27, he said, The Sabbath was made for man. That day of rest, Jesus teaches us, was made for you. Exodus 16.29 says, and this is God speaking to Moses, he's, and he's talking about the Sabbath and how he wants that honored. And he told Moses, he said, they, the, the, the Israelite children, they must realize the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. Now, when you buy a new car, or any car, hopefully it comes with a manual. It tells you, like, ever so many miles, you know, you change the oil, or you rotate the tires, or, you know, you check this thing, you change this part out. Well, God, who wrote the owner's manual for these bodies, intended for one day out of seven to be a day of rest and spiritual renewal. Not taking that day to refresh yourself. Your body and your spirit is like trying to drive a car nonstop without ever changing the oil. You can do that for a little while, but eventually it's just going to stop running. The Bible tells us that these bodies of ours are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And just like God wants us to be good stewards of our financial and material resources, he wants us to be good stewards of this temple. Taking the rest God intended is one way we demonstrate good stewardship over these temples and take the first step towards winning over weariness. Number two, E, enlist help. Now let's go back to our main verse in Matthew 11, <clears throat> 28 to 30. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle of heart. It's going down to 30. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now, I used to think it was really strange that Jesus' remedy for weariness was to put a yoke around our necks. You know, I mean, a yoke is associated with a load, with work. And then I understand, I, I realize that by taking Jesus' yoke upon us, we go from this to this. Jesus is the one on the right, okay? 
the big strong one. We're the one on the left, the one that's kind of kind of weak there. When we team up with Jesus by putting on his yoke, what does that mean? We benefit from his superior power. His strength makes up for our weakness, and his provision makes up for our lack. When Jesus admonishes us to take on his yoke, it's not for the purpose of laying one more burden on us. The purpose of the yoke is to benefit from his ability to manage the load. Now, it's quite likely if you follow God long enough, he will require something of you that is bigger than yourself. You may be called upon by God to complete a task or to bear a burden that's yours and yours alone to accomplish, something he called you to do. And it will be for the purpose of growing your faith and expanding his kingdom. But if we stay yoked to Jesus, God will go to whatever lengths are necessary to provide the assistance that you require to complete that task. Whether it's the support and prayers of your church family, whether that's people saying, hey, Pastor CJ, it's okay if you're a contractor for the next few months, we're going to take care of the church while you contract this building that we're all going to love and enjoy being in so much. If God needs to send an angel to you, if he needs to perform something miraculous in order to help you accomplish your task, he will do it. There was a time in my life when God called me to a task that for years seemed overwhelming. It was not a call that I could pass on to somebody else. It was my burden to bear, my cross to bear, but he knew I couldn't do it alone. So not only did he team up with me, he brought some amazing people into my life to support and to carry me through that decade, really, honestly, for a decade until I had completed the task. I have a clip here from Lord of the Rings that I want to play for you. Um, how many of you have either seen the movies, Lord of the Rings, or you've read the books? You know the, you know the story? Okay. All right. Let me just kind of set it up for you. In, um, okay. This scene illustrates this point better than I can describe words. Um, Frodo is the main character, and he has been tasked with throwing this evil, evil ring into the fires of Mount Doom. By destroying this, this, this evil, evil ring that he's had to carry for months and months and months, if he throws this evil ring into the fire, it will rid the world of its evil power. Now, in this scene, Frodo is nearing the end of his journey. He's made it all the way to the foot of the mountain. But the weight of this evil ring and the hardships he faced on his journey cause him to just collapse under the weight. He just collapses with weariness. Almost there, but he collapses. What his companion Sam does for him I think beautifully illustrates what God does for us when the journey becomes too long and the load is too heavy. And I hope I, hope I don't cry through this because I, I, usually, I usually cry because it speaks so to my heart and, and because I feel like God, God did this for me 
both himself and through other people when I felt like I really couldn't go on any further. Go ahead and play that clip. Do you remember the Shire, Mr. Furlong? It'll be spring soon. The orchards will be in blossom. And the birds will be nesting in the hazel thicket. And they'll be sowing the summer barley in the lower fields. And eating the first of the strawberries with cream. Do you remember the taste of strawberries? Sam, I can't recall the taste of food. Not the sound of water. Oh, the touch of grass. I'm naked in the dark. There's, there's nothing, no veil between me and the wheel of fire. I can see him with my waking eyes. Then let us be rid of it. Once and for all. Come on, Mr. Frodo. I can't carry it for you. But I can carry you. Come on! for us he'll surround us with the people that we need and if he has to he'll he'll take us himself and throw us over his shoulder and he'll carry us he'll carry us the rest of the way sometimes we feel like we're collapsing under the weight but he says come to me he puts his neck inside the yoke and he calls others to come alongside us. And then God and those he's enlisted to help us, they begin to pull. And somehow, some way, we find ourselves at the end of the journey, victorious, having completed the task our Lord assigned us. And when the task is complete, we are left with an incredible testimony of how an awesome God stepped in and helped us overcome when the road was too long and the load was too heavy. So to, re to review our first two steps here are we need to rest. We need to take advantage of, the, of that one day a week that the Lord wants us to set aside to rest our bodies and refresh our spirits. We need to enlist our Lord's help. Take that yoke and let him pull with us. Number three, S, know your season. This next nugget came to me from an article I read in a JBU, JBU newsletter. Um, it came at a time when I, I had been through, like, the most demanding time of my life. Um, again, I had gone through about a decade of just spiritual, spiritual weight, physical problems, you know, lost my first husband, um, and then after, after he passed away, um, I was interim minister for, 
for the church until we got another pastor, um, continued to be involved in the church, um, soon reunited with the man who's my husband now, so I ended up planning a wedding. I wrote a book. Um, I, you know, built, we built a house. It was just activity for 10 years. It was just nonstop. And so I finally got to the point where I came to this point, all my big projects were done. And all of that stuff was behind me. And I had time on my hands. And I started praying, you know, God, what do you want me to do? Uh, you want me to go to work? Do you want me to get involved in another ministry? Do you want me to volunteer someplace? Do you want me to write another book? What, you know, what do you want me to do? You know, I was, and I was praying these like really desperate, anxious prayers. God, show me, show me what I'm supposed to do. Because surely, if I'm not doing something, then I'm doing something wrong. And I was praying just desperate. God, you know, I just felt so guilty for sitting around and not, you know, not having stuff to do. And I, it was really troubling to me. And so Jim Brooks brought this newsletter home. And I opened it up. He didn't, he didn't, hadn't read the article. And he said, hey, do you want to look at this? And I said, yeah. And I picked it up. And God really spoke to me through... The, an article that was in there, and it's taken from Psalm 1, the first three verses. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners uh, or sit in the company of mockers, but those whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. It yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And that really stuck out to me. And the whole article was about yielding fruit in season. God spoke to me so clearly that this time in my life was not a time to bear fruit. It was a season of rest. This idea that we will have seasons to bear fruit and seasons to rest are illustrated in the New Testament. In Mark 6, Jesus sends his disciples out two by two to do ministry. So they go out to the surrounding towns. They teach. They preach. They pray for the sick. They drive out demons. And picking up in verse 30, we read this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus recognized how important it was for the disciples to get away alone with him, to rest and be refreshed after a season of fruitful yet very tiring ministry. Recognize your season. There is a season to work and to bear fruit, but there is also a season to rest. If you want to win over weariness, you have to take advantage of your God-ordained seasons of rest. And, and I'm just going to throw this out here. I was not asked to do it. Pastor CJ would never ask me to do that. But I suspect after this building project is over, your pastor was probably going to need a sabbatical. And I'm not talking two or three days off. I'm talking weeks off. So allow him that allow him that encourage that because if he hasn't a chance to rest he'll be a lot better minister to all of you he'll have the energy and the spiritual strength 
to be able to do that for you. Lastly tonight, we need to spend time with Jesus. What's the first thing Jesus tells us, tells the weary and burdened? He says, come to me. With me is where you find rest for your souls. I want to take a look at three stories tonight that teach us something about finding rest with Jesus. The first is found in Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What was Martha doing? What was Martha doing? She was doing a good thing. She was working for Jesus. She was slaving away in the kitchen so she could serve Jesus a good meal. How dare her sister sit on her rump, being blessed, while Mary was in the other room, Martha was in the other room doing all the work. So Martha goes to Jesus in a huff and says, Jesus, tell my lazy sister to get in here and help me. It's not fair. I'm here doing all the work for you all by myself. And how does Jesus respond? You're worried and upset about many things. Mary has chosen what's better, and it won't be taken away from her. Jesus teaches Martha a really valuable lesson here. Martha, you're worried and upset about doing stuff for me. I'm more interested in you spending time with me. There's no place in this story that would lead us to believe that Jesus asked Martha to prepare him a meal. Martha was wearing herself out trying to do something for Jesus he never even asked her to do. All the while, he just wanted to spend time with her. We live today like busyness is our ultimate goal. We wear ourselves out cramming activity into every spare second of every single day. Just because an activity is good doesn't mean it's God's idea. If our load of activity, even if that activity is noble, gets in, the, our, gets in the way of our ability to simply sit at Jesus' feet, then we have given up what's best for what's just good. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in regard to what he wants you to do as individuals, as a church. Don't allow work, activity, and busyness become idols that keep you from the best God has to offer and from the rest God has to offer. The second story I want to share is that of the lost or prodigal son found in Luke 15. Most of you know the story. The man had two sons. The younger went to his father and demanded his inheritance, half of the estate. So his father gave him what he asked for and, let, and the son left home. After squandering his fortune on sinful living, he finds himself with nothing, feeding pigs just to survive. And so starved, he wishes he could fill his belly with their slop. It dawns on him that even his father's servants are living better than him. 
So he returns home where he intends to beg his father just to let him be there as a hired hand, as a slave. As we know, when he returns, his father is already watching for him. He runs to him. He kisses him. He puts clean clothes on him and throws a party to celebrate his return. But the older brother gets jealous and refuses to go to the party. He says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. The father says, my son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. The problem with the older son was that he was so busy living like his father's slave. He failed to take advantage of his privilege as a son. The younger prodigal had squandered his father's riches. But the older son, the faithful son, the busy son, had squandered relationship with his father. Jesus says to us who are weary, come to me. Take time to learn from me. Then you'll find rest for your souls. Don't make the same mistake the older son did. Don't spend so much time slaving at work or at school, try, you know, trying to do filling up every single evening of your life. Don't spend so much time slaving away, even for God, that you give up relationship with him. Third story I want to share in regard to spending time with Jesus is found in John 13. It's the account of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. So he got up from the meal, it's talking about Jesus, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus gives us a beautiful picture and example of servanthood here. It's also an illustration of our need of Christ's ministry to us. Peter was resistant to let Jesus minister to him. In Peter's mind, he was the one who should be ministering to the Lord. He was the one who should be serving the Lord. But Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Those who spend their lives investing in others often have difficulty admitting their own need. But Jesus told Peter, unless you let me do this for you, you have no part with me. My question for you tonight is, if you could see Jesus standing in this room tonight, would you let him wash your feet? You know what? He is here. Will you allow him to minister to you? 
Let him wash off worry. Let him wash off anxiety. Let him wash off bitterness, unforgiveness, doubt. Let his presence and the water of the Holy Spirit wash over you and fill you with the joy that will renew your strength. Trust him enough to rest when he says rest. Enlist his help by allowing him to get in the yoke and pull with you. Ask him to help you know when it's your season to bear fruit and when it's your season to rest. And take time out to just be in his presence. Don't make yourself a slave to a God who desires a son. There's a challenge that many of you hear at New Song, and I'm closing with this. There's a challenge that many of you here at New Song strive to live by. It's the challenge to go after God. It's a great word. It's a passionate word. It's an inspiring word. But I would hate for those words to be misunderstood as meaning you have to spend your life tirely chasing a God who can never be caught. God isn't running from you. You don't have to chase him down tonight. You've made the effort to be in his house. He's here. Commune with him. Enjoy his presence. Let him wash your feet. And let his joy be your strength. I've asked Nathan, I've got a couple of songs that I'd like for for him to play tonight during our prayer time because I want our worship team to also be able to take advantage of this. And if people are still praying at the end of the two songs, I've asked the worship team to go ahead and do another song. And if people are done praying by that time, fine. But you just kind of, you can sense what you need to do there, Ken. Um, but tonight, as these songs are played, I don't, I don't want you to think about, and um, like I said, I love that phrase, go after God. But rather than thinking about having to go after someone who's running from you, I want you to picture in your mind, Jesus is sitting right here next to you. He's here already. You don't have to chase him down tonight. So whatever way that you feel most comfortable communing with the Lord and being in his presence, if you want to sit in your seat, if you want to kneel at your seat, if you want to kneel at the altar, if you want to walk up and down the aisle and raise your hands, whatever way you can best be in the Lord's presence and receive ministry from him tonight, that's what I want you to do. I want you to take this time. I know a lot of you, you work. Man, you come in, you're beat. Take this time. It's for you. Jesus is here to minister to you and to strengthen you tonight. Lord bless you.